As uh, we were singing that last chorus, <coughs> I was reminded even by, by the words of, of the chorus of how much we have to be thankful for. And the Lord uh, laid on my heart and mind uh, during the time that I was, was down here singing a couple of people I know that need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I want us as a congregation right now, we're going to have a moment of silence. And if there's someone that you know that does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, during this moment of silence, I want you to be praying for that person or persons, okay? And then I will bring us back together in prayer. For right now, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer right now, congregation. Father, you're a great, mighty, and an awesome God. And if each of us know you as Lord and Savior, know how much we have to be thankful for. And really, in a, in a sense, there's no way even we can comprehend it. But we know what you've done for us according to your word, according to what we've experienced, the change in our hearts and our lives. Lord Jesus, we want to say thank you for so great a salvation. And Father, for the prayers that have been prayed for others that need you as Lord and Savior, I just pray for conviction of the Holy Spirit, to convict of sin and of your righteousness and of the coming judgment. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. If you are visiting with us today, traditionally we go through a book of the Bible verse by verse. And we actually, in July, this earlier in July, finished up the book of Philippians, and then I spent a Sunday on Psalm 91. Today is Communion Sunday, and I have uh, felt led again to go to a very, very special text uh, related to communion, and then we will partake at, at uh, the table. And then uh, in weeks to come, the good Lord willing, of course, we will be back finishing Psalm 91, and then I trust going to another book of the Bible. Communion is something, quite frankly, that can be per participated in in somewhat of a haphazard way. And, and we know that biblically uh, the mandate and, and the command is very clear in 1 Corinthians 11 that that is never to take place. That is never to take place. In other words, we need to prepare ourselves spiritually for communion. If there's sin we know of in our life, we need to be confessing that sin to God right now. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, the Scripture is very clear. If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God's Word is true. Communion, though, ought to be a time as well that we reflect. We reflect on what Jesus did for us on that cross what His resurrection means. And how that was absolutely essential. For there would be no other way that we could be saved and have a relationship with God apart from the cross, apart from the shedding of His blood, apart from the empty tomb. And as we spend uh, a few minutes right now thinking about this, I want us to go to a text uh, that you have heard before, I'm sure over the years many times, 
and that is Isaiah chapter 53, because it talks about the suffering of our Lord, what Jesus went through for you and for me. Isaiah 53, I'm going to be picking up with verse 4. Beginning with verse 4, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. May God again bless his inerrant and his infallible word. This is a prophetic statement given many years ago by the prophet Isaiah speaking of the suffering servant who was to come. And we know when the suffering servant came... Even the disciples who walked with Jesus didn't quite understand everything. You, you know, even, even after the death and, and even at the resur- after the resurrection, we, we, we know what Doubting Thomas said. You know, hearing about it wasn't enough for Thomas. Thomas wanted to see and touch. And Jesus would declare again to Thomas, Blessed are those who have not seen but yet have believed. We are in the company today of those who have not seen yet have believed. No, we, have, we did not see Jesus physically on that cross. We did not see him physically come out of the grave. No, we did not see physically the ascension, but we know it's true. And we know the change has occurred in our hearts and our lives as a result of it. These verses tell us what Jesus went through. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. This is written in, 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 a, in a sort of a poetic kind of thing in a way because this is actually a pious tense speaking of a future reality. Surely he's borne our griefs and he's carried our sorrows. Yes, he did. While Jesus was on that cross, He bore your griefs, He bore my griefs, He carried your sorrows, He carried my sorrows. Yes, He carried our sins. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Those are strong words. What it expresses and what it conveys is this. The Son had to experience the wrath of the Father for your sins and for my sins. You know, the age-old question has been asked, who put Jesus on the cross? Who put Jesus on the cross? Well, some would say, well, it had to be those Jewish people that did. Others would say it had to be the Romans. Yeah, that both groups, in a way, participated, of course. And some will say, well, of course, our sins did it. Well, that's true. But look at this. Look at verse 10 in that same passage. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, 
he shall prolong his days. What Jesus went through on that cross was according to the full will of the Father. Nothing was missed in any way. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded. Wounded for our transgressions. Wounded in the sense that his blood was shed for you and his blood was shed for me. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was wounded for our sins. He was bruised again. Iniquities, our sins again. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. The picture that is painted here is what we call biblically and theologically the substitutionary atonement. Who should have been on the cross? Anyone else can raise their hand right now? I should have been on that cross. You should have been on that cross. But Jesus went to that cross for us. As God's word declares, no greater love hath a man than he laid down his life for his friend. And what Jesus did for us was freely giving his life as the perfect sacrifice, the perfect Passover lamb for our sins. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Let me just deal with that latter part just for a moment. By his stripes, we are healed because uh, depending on the interpretation, there has been a lot of controversy over the years. And, and this particular verse and passage is reiterated again to a certain extent, uh, actually in First Peter. First Peter uh, chapter 2, we're not going to have time uh, to go to that completely and look at that in First Peter 2. Let me say this. The greatest healing that a person can ever have is the healing from sin. That's the greatest healing. Because you can live a perfectly healthy life and go into eternity. And if you do not have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then you will spend all eternity apart from the loving God. Under the due consequences of your sin, which has brought eternal separation and punishment, as clearly outlined in the Scriptures. At Pleasant Union, do we believe God still heals today? Yes, yes, yes. Are we going to pray for people to be healed from whatever disease, whatever issue it is? 100% yes. Are we going to believe in this place that nothing is impossible with God? 100% yes. But never while I'm pastor and I pray while you are members are in this congregation will we ever put anyone under a false condemnation to tell them because they have a disease, 
because they're sick, it's because they have sinned and or they don't have enough faith. We're not going to do that. That doesn't line up with Scripture. Now, could we do some things and, and sin and hurt, her bo- hurt our bodies? Of course, the answer is yes, we could do that. We understand that. But to look in someone's face and tell them the reason why you still have your sickness or your disease is because your faith is so small, my friends, is off base biblically and theologically. Now let me say that, but do we still believe in faith? Yes. Hebrews 11, 11, 1 is where faith is defined in the New Testament. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. God is a miracle-working God. Hebrews 13 tells us this, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We will continue to pray for people to be healed, believing that God can. Amen? Believing that God can. Absolutely. But let me remind you, the future is also in view here. The future is also in view. You might say, what is the future? We're in the present right now. The future is this. The time we're in now, when we look, at, when we look and when we think about eternity, is just a brief, brief moment in time. It is. It's just like a grain of sand on the horizon. It, it, is, it is that small compared to eternity. For those of us who are in Jesus Christ, the Scripture is very clear. The time will come when we're going to have a glorified body. We're going to have that resurrected body. There will be no more disease. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more suffering. We'll be with our Lord and our Savior, the Almighty God, the Holy Spirit forever and forever and forever. I'm thankful for that, aren't you? I'm thankful for that. Verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is salvation in no other name other than the precious name of Jesus. And if today, we're not ready for the invitation yet, but if today you have not made that decision to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, Ask Him to forgive your sins. Ask Him to come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior, and He will answer that prayer. And He will change you not just for time, He'll change you for eternity. That's good news, isn't it? It's very good news. I want us to think about something else as we think about what Jesus did for us. And a special place as believers that you occupy that you may not have realized or may not have thought of lately. And you might say, Pastor, what are we talking about here? I'm talking about adoption. Adoption. Now let me say this. This is something very good. 
in Christian churches and organizations, particularly in the past 20 years, there's been more of a focus on adoption and foster care. And I say, rightly so. Rightly so. To such an extent, uh, there have been even many books and articles written about it. In fact, uh, someone who taught with me on the faculty at Southeastern Seminary in Wake Forest for many years, and he actually pastors Imago Day in Raleigh, and they become almost a megachurch. And anyway, uh, he, he's, he's transitioned off our faculty at Southeastern, but uh, Tony Marita uh, wrote a book dealing with orphanology. I once was an orphan. You might say, well, Pastor, you've told us about your earthly mother and father. Some people will say, here, I've met them. I've met, Pastor, your mother and father. Now, take my word for it, I was an orphan. Spiritually speaking, I was an orphan. But you know what? I got adopted. I got adopted into God's family. I got, I got placed on God's team. Not, not as a result of what I did, but what He did for me. And now, I have full rights as a child of His. I'm not an orphan anymore spiritually. I'm an adopted child of the Creator of this universe. I'm in his family. Galatians 4, God's word says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is a master of all. But is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of this world. We were orphans. But when the fullness of the time has come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Now, what, what does this mean, crying out, Abba, Father, is a result of what Jesus Christ has done for us as a result of our adoption into His family. Out of our hearts, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we can cry out, Abba, Father. Some people say, yes, we've heard that means Daddy. Well, you can say that. I'm not going to jump you. But I tell you what, the best, best literal meaning is this, Dearest Father. Dearest Father. I am an imperfect earthly father. I had an imperfect earthly physical father. I had two imperfect physical grandfathers, and on and on we could go with that. But I tell you what, I'm thankful for all of those men that were mentioned. But I'm thankful now I've been adopted by the perfect Heavenly Father. Aren't you? 
Aren't you thankful you've been adopted by him? It's what the scripture says. And it says, out of our heart, we can call Abba Father. Oh, that's an intimate term. That, that means today and every day, I can go around having conversation with him. That, that means, again, that, that in my heart I can apply Romans 8.1, there's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I can take that into my heart and life because it is true. I know now the perfect heavenly Father. I'm an adopted son, an adopted child. And I say to that, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. We're going to have an invitation. Let me explain the invitation before, before the singers and everyone actually come up. I've already mentioned, if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, today can be your day of salvation. There isn't a salvation in no other name. Come to Jesus as Lord and Savior today. He'll save you. He'll forgive you. He's already paid the price for you on the cross. Come to Him today. I'll be down front for a moment here when the invitation begins. But 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is very clear. If there's sin in your life and you're not willing to confess that sin and you want to pridefully stay in that sin, I suggest you not participate in communion. Now you might say, Pastor, if you make it like that, none of us can participate today. No, that's not true. 1 Corinthians 11 says... As a result, if you go back and read the passage in 1 Corinthians 11, some people participated in an unworthy manner, and as a, as a result, some were sick and some were asleep, and the word sleep there meant they died as a result of it. They died. They say, you're trying to scare us, Pastor. No, I'm not. If you're truly serious... I've already been confessing my sins this morning. I'll continue to confess up to the time of communion. I'm telling you that. Anything comes to my mind, I'm going to confess. Amen? Amen. And when I come to the communion table, I come as a child of God. I come as that adopted child. I come not because of my righteousness, but because of his righteousness. Amen? That's why I come. My righteousness doesn't deserve Jesus. He reached down and touched me and saved me. Aren't you thankful for that? Pray that you are. Any decision you have to make today, the altars are open, the Savior is waiting. Brother Kyle, you and the team come forward at this time, please. And They're going to be leading us during a time of invitation, a time of reflection. And yes, you can sing, but I tell you what, Prepare yourself for communion if you're a believer in here. And if you're visiting with us today, you may participate as long as you're a believer in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. You're welcome to participate with us in communion today. Congregation, please stand.